Hello, and welcome. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show where we shamelessly cater to the only state that hasn't given us a listen. So, cheers to Idaho. Oh, Idaho! I just don't understand what the problem is. I know you all are very busy doing what you do, but really? There's not one. There's not one (laughs) single download in Idaho, and I have been keeping my eye on this state for months now. This is a developing story. Idaho, are there people there? (laughs) Well, this is our ode to you, my man. So... Yeah, um, if there's not a download after this episode, we've officially given up on you as a state in general. <laughs> we still want your potatoes, though. Yes, please. Love so, love the potatoes. Keep those coming. Um, this is just a reminder to check out our TikTok and also our Instagram and our email. Please email us. What if I told you podcasts at gmail.com. And today is Madeline's birthday. Oh, we're very busy lately. And so we are recording one day before this episode drops. So, yeah, this you will hear this on the 19th. My actual day of birth is the 18th. Yes. So tomorrow she will be. 1,001 day old. Yep. So that's what we're doing. We're one doing... 1,000 and one day old. 1,000 years and one day old. Yeah. Specify. Um, yeah. I have found the key to living forever, so... Yeah. We can't tell you, though. No, of course not. I'm not going to no. share my secret. That's crazy no um i we're not doing a breakfast look this morning nope maddie is drinking some coffee i am sipping on some high quality h2o as usual as usual i do have to share though i had the best coffee i've ever had in my life last weekend it was called bean me up down in arkansas it was it was life-changing this is a place yes by the way this is a coffee place um so if you ever roll through arkansas just go ahead and search that up i don't care what part of the state you're in you're gonna need to make the drive to their location you won't regret it and that's that's all on the breakfast stuck i feel like that counted because it was coffee related yeah, um, I think that's a super clever name. I wonder if they're really into Star Trek. You know, beam me up, Scotty. I don't uh, know. Their little logo is super cute. Yeah. And I haven't enjoyed a cup of coffee since. So, uh, thanks. Yeah, that's, that's how it goes. Beam me up. I really love a clever name. Uh, they clearly put a lot of thought into the name of oh, yeah. their place. That's what I would name a coffee place if I had one. Yeah, exactly. Can't anymore. You but. know, nope. Uh, I would definitely want it to be, like, either alien-related or, like, skull-related. Yeah. So we need aliens and or death, death yeah. in our coffee shop. <laughs> and the name would need to reflect that. 
We're going to have to think on this. We're going to have to think on this, uh, and we'll get back to you on what our coffee shop name would be. Uh, we'll have to co- copyright it as soon as we say it, because someone will seal it. Right, right. For our chips corner, this is just kind of random, but we were talking about my terrible eating schedule last week <laughs> or the week before. I can't remember. Um, Chip usually eats six meals a day, sometimes seven. That's a lot of meals. That's a lot of meals, but he's also, like, real big into fitness and bodybuilding. I mean, he knows what he's doing. I would love to eat six meals a day. If I ate six meals a day, um, I would be so unhealthy and probably twice the size I currently am. Do you know what I ate yesterday? It's ridiculous. Chips. I had... Pop-Tarts for breakfast. Okay, yeah. No lunch. Right. For dinner, I had, well, this was like 5 p.m. That's dinner. I had two pieces of pizza. And then about at 11 (laughs) p.m., I had ice cream and Flaming Hot Cheetos. Um, I love the ice cream. I hate Flaming Hot Cheetos. So that's what I ate in a day. That's not what, that's, I don't typically eat that terribly. Yesterday was weird, but I was fine with it. It's a, Saturday eating is very different than regular days. Right. Because you're not getting up as early as you typically do, so you're eating later breakfast, Mm -hmm. which means that you probably aren't hungry at lunchtime. Yeah. But you probably are hungry at like three Exactly. And then your dinner is all fucking weird. We deal with that a lot mm-hmm. because we usually go for breakfast and we'll eat like a full breakfast and then no lunch. Yeah. And then eat dinner at five or six. Yeah. Depending on if we're going out or staying in. Like I haven't eaten breakfast and it's 11 o'clock and oh. I'm just now starting to feel hungry. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm just not hungry when I wake up. Yeah. I'm... It really depends. Usually when I wake up, I'm thinking about coffee. Right. That's literally the first thought when my eye... Just one eye opens. Yeah. But while the coffee brews, then I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat for breakfast. So... Yeah. I think I'm going to go get Costa Vida after this. Hell yeah. I need some sweet pork tacos in my life. Ugh, they're so good. Speaking of tacos, uh, Dakota and I went to Minneapolis this weekend to visit some old Navy friends, Alex and Nan. And uh, so Alex is a wild person. And he is like a classically trained French chef. He was in the Navy. He Very well-rounded. Is a, yeah, well-rounded. He Now he's an engineer. This guy has lived many lives. (laughs) (laughs) And so we got there Friday and stayed the night with them and then came back yesterday. So it was a short visit, but um, we were deciding what we were going to do for dinner. Mm -hmm. And I thought we would go out for dinner, but he is such a good cook that he was like, why don't I make carnitas? That sounds delicious. And we were all like, yeah, we'll just hang out here and not have to worry about, like, waiting at a restaurant and all of that. Yeah. You know? So he made carnitas, and it was basically, it was so simple, like, corn tortilla, the pork, 
a bunch of cilantro. I love cilantro. Mm. And then cheese. And that was it. And it was perfect. Bomb. Yeah. That's what I've been doing when I make that Mississippi pot roast is Mm -hmm. the leftovers. I'll just put it, well, not a corn tortilla, but in a tortilla, like in a skillet, Mm -hmm. fry it up a little bit with cilantro and onion and cheese. And it's delicious. Yeah. It was so good. Like, why don't I make that shit more often? Yeah. Dakota was like, I have to make this. So Alex said he would FaceTime. Perfect. And walking through it, so. Love that. Um, Yeah, they were amazing. Amazing. And we love a good taco. Oh, I love tacos. There's a new taco place going in at that town up above us that we frequent. (laughs) The north? Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's. Oh, it's called Tacoholics. Mm. So it better be good. Okay. It's very hard to find a good taco joint. It is because usually they're very basic. Like some shit. Like... When I go out to eat tacos, I want them to be tacos that I cannot make at home. Yeah. That's that's usually why I want to go out to eat anyways. I am i can't make this shit at home. I yeah. can try, but it's going to taste like I tried to make it. Yeah. I think, right. It, Especially tacos. It, yes. And there are certain things that you want in your taco that you have to go to a specialty grocery store to get, like mm-hmm. the cheese, uh, what, you know. Certain tortillas, the way they make their tortillas, if yep. they make their homemade tortillas, like at Costa Vida, um, there are only a few good taco joints. Yeah. Like Mission Taco, bomb. Their yeah. tacos are super good. Uh, Costa Vida is obviously good, but it's more like fast food tacos. Yeah. Which, they're still amazing. They make their own tortillas. But that's it. Yeah. Like, I think there may be a, another one that I'm not thinking of. But there aren't very many good taco joints here. Mm -hmm. There's not. I'm interested. Interested in these tacos. Yeah. Hopefully it's good. Yeah. Dakota's tried every, like, so many different, even ones that are more fast food tacos, disappointed by every single one of them. Yeah. They're, I mean, I either want just a taco from Taco Bell. Or some actual fucking tacos. That's right. So. There, There are two ends of the spectrum. And the only fast food taco that I will give time of day is Taco Bell. Yeah. And real, legitimate tacos. Hard to find. Hard to find. Yep. I'm sure if we lived in Texas, we would not have this problem. Right. Or California. Okay. So, now that everyone's sufficiently ready for lunch. Please get tacos. Please get tacos and then send us pictures of your tacos. Yeah, whether we, you, we will rate them. We'll rate your tacos and the winner just gets a high five. Yeah. Virtually. Like a, virtually. So today we're going to be talking about a murder from, o- from Ohio. Jesus goddamn <laughs> Christ. <laughs> so this is what you get, Idaho. Yeah. We're talking about a murder from Idaho. And it is the murder of Regina Krieger. Now, Regina Krieger, who is more commonly referred to as Gina, so for the rest of the episode, we're going to call her Gina. She was a 14-year-old girl from Burley, Idaho, which is in Cassia County. She, of course, she's 14. She's uh, described as a bright, vibrant girl. 
who dreamed of becoming a professional singer, which is cool. That's a very unique talent. Yeah. <laughs> Being a, you are either a good singer or a bad singer. Yes. There's no in between there. No. And I am the latter, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but sh- even being a bright girl, which we've talked about this, when somebody is killed, mm-hmm. the people around them always describe that person as like, they were so funny. They were so great. They lit up a room. Mm-hmm. They loved they, everyone. Yes, that's how they Which, always... Which, I mean, I would like to say, hopefully the majority of people are like that. I agree. Especially a 14-year-old girl. I just don't know how, like, I would be described if I was murdered or missing. Because um, I don't like everyone. No, actually, quite the opposite. I pretty much don't like anyone. Yeah. So, I'm... Not I, I need people to not spread lies about me if I'm missing. Yeah, I need people to like, say... I'm the person that has trained themselves to, like, keep my eyebrows up so I don't look like a complete bitch. Because, like... Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah, I have that face as well that I just let do what it will. Yeah. Um, which I have been told has worked in a fashion to keep dudes from like cat calling me or like trying to hit on me in public because you just look like you want to watch the world burn exactly and you know what Eh. i mean sometimes yeah i i feel like if i was murdered and then like id discovery did us an episode on me people would be like well she was nice to her dogs and didn't really talk to people that she didn't know. She bought real sized human skulls covered in gold. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and never washed her hair. So she was kind of a weird one, but she wasn't weird enough that we were worried. Right. She was, a bit of a dick to most people. But she had her life together. But she did pay her own bills. So when you ask if she had any enemies, I'm just not sure. It, yeah, it's very unclear. No obvious people come to mind. Right. But you just never know. It's Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cat's out of the bag. It's always the husband. Yeah, sorry, Dakota. If Maddie goes missing, you're just, you're fucked. Here's the thing. I fully instructed him on what to do in the event of my murder. Whether or not he did it is besides the point, I think. Uh, (laughs) Because I said, listen, if I'm murdered, you're going to be undesirable number one. Yeah. Of course. You just will. We already know. And I can't be like, no, he would never do that because that would look sus it would look sus yeah for sure so i'm just gonna have to completely back out of this situation yeah you can't say anything yeah yeah i think honestly what applies to dakota probably applies to you and lauren right so we're go- i mean and then if we remove ourselves they're gonna be like what the fuck is up with that yes. like do i go on the news or do i not go on the news right it, it, see do i hold a search or no yeah are you do you involve yourself in the search or don't you who plans the candlelight vigil? What happens to April and Artie? I can't be questioned because 
I'll say weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> I won't know what to do. That That's exactly right. Yeah. So here's what I told Dakota. I said, the instant <laughs> I am discovered murdered, <laughs> you can you cannot be the person who calls 911. Yeah. Your voice cannot be recorded immediately post my death. Because they will pick that apart so hard. Yes. 100% they will... No matter what you say, no matter yeah. how you say it, they're, you're guilty if you yeah. <laughs> are recorded on the 911 call. Yeah. And so someone else is going to have to call 911. Yeah. You're going to have to immediately call an attorney and never say a syllable yeah. to the police. Never. Ever. And never take a polygraph. No. N- don't say anything. Yeah. Not one word. To the police. Because if you don't say anything to them, they have nothing to dissect. I could not be the murderer and be like, I don't know. I don't think I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would. Yeah. It would not be pretty. That's the only advice I can give to people out here who, I mean, if you're planning a murder, you should have those thoughts in mind. Like, um, I should probably not say anything to the police. I, I can't deny it because they're going to be suspicious. Obviously, I'm not going to admit it. Yeah. You you just can't say anything. Yeah. You just... Yeah. You, you can't do anything right. Yeah. And if you're innocent, God for fucking bid. Yeah. God forbid you say, well, I, di- I didn't do that. God forbid you tell the truth and I say you're innocent. I haven't seen her in a week. Yeah. They'd be like, well, you're fucking lying. And I'd be like... You're lying. Am I lying? <laughs> You're lying. We know it. I'm going to get a call one day that you've been murdered and I'm just going to flee the state. <laughs> so I'm going to be too panicked. Immediately. I leave will the flee state. to wherever you have to the go fuck. to Canada. Canada, probably. And I will start my own investigation. I will solve that shit up north. Yeah. I mean, you could do all of it online, probably. Oh, for sure. That's how they solved the, the cat one, right? While staying anonymous. Yeah. 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 You're just going to have to, like, become a blonde. Yes. Like a full blonde. With glasses. Yeah. And you're going to have to get a throat tat. Probably. You probably should. Then I would really look suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyways. Okay, anyway, so... Please no one murder Maddie because I cannot take that kind of stress. (laughs) Like, besides the fact that you're just dead... (laughs) I can't deal with all the shit in between. I mean, it... it I will not even come to your funeral. Yeah, it causes so much havoc for everyone around the person who's murdered. Yeah, I can't go to your funeral because they're going to think I did it. Do I sit in the front row or the back row? Do you wear black? Do I just stand by your dead body? Do you do the handful of dirt thing or what? Do you sign I'm doing like a handful of like Taco Bell tortilla chips. Because those things are bomb. And some cheese. I, I need you to put some cheese in there. <laughs> They're like, is she sprinkling shredded cheese on my fucking daughter's casket? <laughs> Roll the tape. She wanted it. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. So we're back to Gina. That was ridiculous. That was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Gina was also a bit of a troubled girl. So she's 14 at the time of her death. So the two years prior to her death, she was experimenting with drugs already. Not good. So, yeah, that's 
obviously not good. Um, she experimented with crank, which I don't know why all the articles I was reading about her. Just don't say meth. Didn't just say meth. It's a great book series, though. I never did read that one. My sister did. My youngest sister. But yeah, they kept referring to it as crank, and I just, it was very, I I don't like that street term. No. First of all. Crank? No. Um, if you're, if I'm going to call it a, a, one of its street names, I think glass is better. Yeah. Or crystal. Crystal is the most common. That's what. Crystal meth. Or Crystal Method, the drag queen. Love it. She's from Springfield, and she's amazing. Of course, a drag queen from Springfield, Missouri, is going to name themselves Crystal Meth. I mean, why not? Why not? Obviously. Um, So, her parents had decided to get divorced around the time she was, like, 12 or so. And I think, obviously... That's a traumatic event for her, and that's when she started to rebel, and she was experimenting with drugs, specifically meth, and she had even talked of overdosing um, on aspirin, and she'd even talked about cutting her own wrists. So she's really having a difficult time with this part of her life. Part of her life. Her, I don't know, it didn't go into a lot of detail about her parents' relationship, if it was really contentious. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess, since she's reacting so um, traumatically, that maybe it was fairly contentious. Yeah. I, I don't know. But she was taking it very hard. And she was obviously depressed. And drug use will increase that. If you're already depressed... Using drugs will just exacerbate the problem. Right. So that's probably what's also happening here. So clearly, the drug use and the divorce were having a really bad impact on Gina. And her father, Daniel, even stated that the divorce was the toughest thing she'd had to go through. And it, it really messed her up. Daniel suspected that some friends that Gina had met at church youth group were responsible for introducing her to drugs like meth. These youth group kids out here. Dude, I freaking know. It, it It's really crazy because that's not surprising. No. Youth groups are notorious for drugs and sex. Yeah. I mean, it's a great cover. It's a, it is a great cover. And, you know, if they come from religious families who have suppressed them. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean. People who are overly restricted all their lives will indeed rebel. At some point in their life. They will freak out at some point in their lives and go completely off the rails. Yeah. And then you have kids like me who had zero rules or restrictions and, and you know? I never got addicted to drugs yeah. so come on parents come on parents don't be overbearing dictators to your children so yeah youth group was being a horrible influence on Gina but the last couple of months before her murder she had really been trying to turn herself around she was 
trying to give up the drug use. I'm meth is notoriously addictive, so I'm mm-hmm. guessing she was probably addicted in some way to the meth. Yeah. So she was really trying to get clean and also work with her school so she could get her grades up and remain in school. There was some question about whether she was going to be able to remain in school because, and this is 1995. Yeah. So they were a lot less forgiving for truancy and grades. Like they would, I guess, just fucking kick you out. Yeah. Now they, you could be 35 mm-hmm. and a fucking sophomore. Yeah. So she was working with her school in order to like do what she could to get her grades up and remain in school so she was on, like, an upswing yeah. at this point. So February 27th, 1995, was just a completely normal day for Gina. That evening, she actually had a birthday party to go to. Her best friends were birthday girl Patty, who was turning 17, and Patty's little sister, Melissa, who was 15 years old. So, like, great 90s fashion she strapped on her rollerblades and headed to patty's party hell yeah that is so amazing rollerblades come on patty recounts the night like this she says we had a water fight we were spraying the guys and gina got caught in the middle we had fun she didn't act upset when she left my house that night she was happy Yeah, so it sounds like we are in the midst of a rollerblading boy-girl party. Yes. In the 90s. Water fight. There's a water fight. Everything is... It's very... It seems very wholesome. Yes. Very... Normal. Giggly and fun. Mm -hmm. When Gina returned home afterwards, she actually argued with her dad about changing her curfew from 11.30 to 10.30. So, I mean... I'm sure a lot of people have been through that fight in their life. So it probably wasn't an actual fight. It was just your typical teenaged angst about not being able to stay out later, which I mean, she was 15. That's a pretty late curfew for a 15 year old in general. Yeah. And given what we know about the few years leading up to this, It's not surprising that her curfew was 1030. Right. You know, her dad is just kind of trying to start trusting her again, really. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he's going to be a little bit more on top of her curfew. Yeah. So. Of course. Of course. And she's going to, of course, push back. Yeah. So Daniel went to bed and then Gina and her siblings stayed up to watch TV. Her younger brother, Cliff was the last one to say goodbye to her. On the morning of February 28th, 1995, Daniel, who was Gina's dad, right? Yes. Daniel, who was Gina's dad, went down to Gina's basement bedroom to wake her up for school. Weird that this was a party on a Sunday. Yeah. I hate parties on Sundays. I agree. And my siblings simply will not stop having (laughs) birthday parties on Sundays. I swear. So when he got down there, he pulled back the doorway curtain only to find that Gina was not there. The blankets had actually been stripped from her bed and her karate sword was taken down from her wall. So red flags. 
Uh, immediate red flags. And there was a red puddle that was seeping into the carpet and Daniel realized that he was standing in Gina's blood. So he ran upstairs and called the police and the Casa County Sheriff's deputies were, of course, the investigators. And they initially believed, if anyone can guess what I'm about to say, Mm -hmm. that Gina had run away after 11 p.m. on the night of February 27th. So, of course, they're like, you know what? There's a puddle of blood here. She probably ran away. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. She just, you know, leaked a bunch of her own blood out and then took off. And then ran. Makes so much sense, guys. With her karate sword. She's just a girl out here. And her sheets are gone. Wrapped in her sheets. With a sword. Running around with a sword. For fuck's sake. Course. So, for the next six weeks, everyone was speculating that she actually ran away. Was her father involved? And, um, I mean, without finding her, there really wasn't a way to know the answer. But I would say if I was on that scene, I'd be like, well, she's dead. Yes, of course. I mean, when we're like, when we're talking a puddle of blood, like people don't understand, you really don't have to bleed out gallons of blood to be severely injured. Yeah. And, you know, the body has a finite amount of blood in it. Right. Like, I think typically you have, what, seven or eight liters of blood in your body? Mm -hmm. Something like that? That's not that much. And just... No, it's not. Whenever you go and donate blood, they take one Mm -hmm. liter of blood. Which is why you feel like shit afterwards. And then after, they make you, like, eat and lay down for, like, an hour after you give blood because... It takes a long time for your body to regenerate what was taken, and you feel woozy. Some people pass out. Yeah, so tell me why, even if she had run away, Mm -hmm. if she had lost that much blood, people should have been concerned, or more concerned, about even if she was running away with that much blood loss, passing out in the middle of the fucking street. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She's not there. Yeah, she's underage. Right. And she needs to be found. I don't care if she was running away. Absolutely not. It doesn't matter. Because let's assume that most runaways, if they're super successful as with getting away from where they're running away from, their chances of continuing to just live their life probably aren't that great. That's, yeah, exactly. Especially at that age. They're going to run into some weird fucking people. Yes, And especially, and not like this was forever ago, but if she was a runaway, she was probably hitching a ride. So, like, why aren't we out here checking, like, the nearest gas station? Yeah. Or just immediately asking neighbors. Yeah. Have you seen this girl? Did you see someone running around with a karate sword? I'm assuming that is a pretty conspicuous object. Yeah. Has anyone seen a random person running around wielding a sword? You have? Okay, great, thanks. Point me in their direction. Yes. Jesus. (laughs) Okay. So now, 
on April 15th, 1995. So we're about a month and a half later. A man and his daughter were on horseback riding along the Snake River. And on the riverbank, pretty close to their home, actually, they saw Gina. Tangled in the branches along the riverbank, Gina's body had been swept up onto the east bank near Montgomery Bridge. Her body was partially clothed. Her throat was cut and she'd been stabbed in the heart. An autopsy would later show that her body had been in the water for at least 30 days. So her body was found partially clothed. Now, there was never any information about sexual assault. And if she had been in the water for 30 days, it's possible current could have affected how, if her clothes came off or whatever. If there was a struggle during the murder itself mm-hmm. could have affected her. Cl- and she was, it happened overnight. So yeah, she was probably in sleep clothes anyway. Right. Most people don't go to sleep fully clothed. Jameson does. Generally. Well, you know, yeah. generally speaking, people <laughs> often sleep partially clothed anyway. Right. So nothing was ever said about sexual assault. But of course, now the question is, what happened to Gina and was it her dad? So he was immediately the first suspect. As a parent, I literally could not imagine that. That would be so horrifying. you know, when people become defensive about something, you automatically think they're guilty or have some bad conscience about something they've done. Mm -hmm. That's just not always the case because if someone accused me of murdering my child, I would go fucking ballistic. Absolutely. If you, like, anyone in her in their lives has been in an event where they're accused of something they didn't do, whether it's when you're a kid and your siblings broke something or something yeah, came, it's became like broken. You overcompensate, yes. word vomit, you're, like, freaking out because you don't want this person to think you did what they think you did. Yeah, it's... It's a natural reaction when you are innocent to assert your innocence aggressively. Right. And people think the complete opposite. Which well, doesn't why are you make being so defensive. It yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, I'm being defensive because you're fucking wrong. Yeah, you're standing here accusing me of something I have not done. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to go down the list of bullet points of why I'm not guilty. Right. Especially in this situation. Yeah, that's his daughter. First of all, his daughter's murdered. So, like, and I get it. This has happened. Of course. But I would, I would be off the walls pissed. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Especially if I'm the one that walked down in her room to look down to see I was standing in her fucking blood. Yeah. First of all, you're completely traumatized. Right. Your child is missing. There's a shit ton of blood in her room so you have no idea you're still kind of hoping she's alive Mm -hmm. of course and then this whole time you're thinking well the last time i talked to her i was not being mean to her but we were having a disagreement yeah and that's how she went to bed that night exactly it's just i think investigations just i understand why people look to the people around the victim right because of course Most murders are committed by somebody that they know. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we all know the stats. 
But coming at someone that hard out of the gate is ridiculous. Especially a dad that has been, like, standing by his daughter's side through all the shit that she went through. Yeah, and... Tell me why he would just offer. Yeah, and I don't know. There wasn't a lot on... In the stories about her mom, but she lived in a different city. I think she lived in Twin Falls. I I don't know. But Gina and her siblings lived with Daniel. Yeah, so there so had to have been some reason for that. There's some thing that went on between Gina's parents that caused... In 1995, for all the kids to have gone with the dad is rare. Yeah. Um, so something was going on with her mom, and so he's dealing with that. He's dealing with all the shit that Gina went through, plus his other kids, and now she's gone, and now the police are saying that he did it. Like, it's crazy. Mm, I couldn't. Yeah. It's insane. But, and a lot of the townspeople, obviously this is kind of a small community, so that Obviously, the rumor mill is out here just churning out the story that he's involved. Oh, yeah. Of course. In order to put a stop to the rumors that Daniel had been involved in killing Gina, the sergeant, Dave Tracy, who was in charge of this investigation, gave Daniel a polygraph. Which I think stating that this was to put a stop to the rumors is a little bit too nice yeah. to the authorities. Like, they're they're not out here trying to be like, oh, Dan, we're so sorry that the rumors are out here. Just take a polygraph and it'll put a stop to this. No. No. That's not why you did it. Mm-mm. But the results were inconclusive and Sergeant Tracy attributed that to Daniel's severe emotional distress. This is why polygraph tests are not admissible in court. Yeah. Any little thing can make you fail a polygraph. And it's not indicative of, it. are you actually lying? I would 100% fail a polygraph because I would be nervous as fuck. Yeah, I don't care if it was about, like, facts about me. They'd be like, what's your name? And my heart would be, like... Fluttering out of your chest. Exactly. People get nervous just because the polygraph. If I don't, if I don't pass this test, I'm guilty. Right. They're gonna, they're gonna look at me and... They're going to railroad this whole case, and I'm going to be in prison forever. Mm -hmm. That's what's at stake when you take a polygraph. Absolutely. That's why you shouldn't. Yeah. They can't use it in court. Why do they still use them? Yeah, I I don't understand. Can, Can someone please explain to me, are you a law enforcement officer? Now, we are both in the legal field. Well, I'm not anymore, but formally. Can you guys please explain why a polygraph is even an option? Yeah. It doesn't tell you shit. It tells you if their heart rate elevates. My heart rate elevates if I walk up three stairs, okay? Yeah. So if I have to go upstairs to take this polygraph, they're going to be like, she's a fucking murderer. She, she, the blood is on her hands. Yeah. And it's not admissible in court. You can't use the results of a polygraph in court. Right. So why even do it? Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. I need someone to explain. I'm going to call one an attorney I know and ask. It's fucking ridiculous. So like we just discussed, don't take a polygraph. We've talked about this at 
length. So just don't do it. Call your attorney. Don't say shit. Call your attorney. That's why they exist. Exactly. So we're going to get into the investigation part of this. And Sergeant Tracy was the main investigator on the case. Yep. He conducted a slew of interviews and came to the conclusion that Gina had been killed by teenagers and perhaps from her own friend group. Mm. Tracy formed a theory that a group of teens from Burley, Hayburn, and Rupert had crept into Gina's room after midnight, stabbed her, cut her throat, and wrapped her in the blankets from her bed. So far, that's a pretty good theory. I mean, that tracks, but what what, what do you have to back that up? Right, right. So they left a puddle of blood on the floor and drops of blood and bloody footprints leading out of the back door and to the back gate. And that shows the path that they took out of the house. So this is very messy. This is very messy. The back gate was locked and forced them to go to the front of the house. And there was clearly a car waiting to receive the murderers and Gina. How that is clear, I don't know. I guess the track, the trail just ends. Yeah, I'm guessing. And since they would have had to transport her to the river. Yeah. Clearly, he's just... They got to get her there somehow. Yeah, they have to get her away from her house and to the dump site somehow. Yeah. And that's what he's deducing. Yeah. So then later they must have dumped her in the Snake River. Now, Gina's friend Patty says that Tracy's theory might be off a little bit. She said, I don't know who killed Gina, but I heard she didn't get killed at her house. I think she was knocked out somehow, then three days later, was killed. I kind of think it's maybe because she was going to talk, maybe about drugs. Who knows? But it was probably drugs. Why the three days later thing was thrown in there seems very specific to me. I agree. Um, so that's a little weird. Yeah. One boy from Rupert is rumored to have even seen Gina's body in a bathroom wrapped in a blanket. And he ran away in fear, which I would also do. Same. Other rumors involve Gina's youth group friends who are said to know what happened to her but aren't saying anything. So that's basically what this case boils down to. There are rumors abound, yeah. but no one... No one's doing anything No about one's them. doing anything, and no one has proof. Yep. So without the proof... Sergeant Tracy really can't do a lot with it. Mm -hmm. A phone list was found in Gina's journal and her day planner, and Sergeant Tracy called every number on the list. Some were the numbers of her friends. Some were the people who claimed to have never even heard of Gina. That's weird. Yeah. And the youth group friends claimed that they barely knew her either. Which I think is wild that the youth group friends are claiming that they barely knew her because Daniel had suspected that her spending so much time with the youth group is what got her into doing drugs. Yeah. And people who do drugs together are together all the time. So that's strange to me. Yeah. 
So after nearly four months of interviews and taping interviews and dozens of false tips and all of the rumors, Sergeant Tracy was pretty much out of leads and Gina's case went cold. Until 2017. Oh yeah. Just four years ago. Yes. That's Four crazy. years ago. This doesn't happen a lot. This does not happen a lot. Yeah. Like at all. You're right. Um, Hardly so, ever. Just so everyone knows. Basically, <laughs> it never happens. New evidence has come to light. So, it's been reported that, obviously, the police involved in the initial investigation made a bunch of mistakes when they were handling the case. Of course, the fact that they were called to the scene of her bedroom immediately... Mm-hmm. But they didn't really do anything with the scene until her body was found six weeks later. So right off the bat, there's so much evidence that they didn't collect Yeah, from the initial scene. And investigation just didn't start because they labeled her a runaway. And obviously she was in the river... And we all know that being in water just ruins Mm -hmm. any forensics that could be on the body. Yeah, it does. So they had no control over the fact that she was in the water. But if they would have at least gone through the investigation that day, they may have found her sooner. Yeah, of course. And there may have been some evidence left. Yeah. But there wasn't, Uh, obviously, because they didn't consider her death a murder at first. They thought, obviously, we have already said that they thought she was a runaway or that she had taken her own life because she had mentioned it previously. Yeah. At some points. But it seems that just doesn't fit because of the way her room was, especially that there was, like, bloody footprints leading to the back door and drops yeah. of blood. And if she took her own life, how'd she get in the river stabbed? Yeah. In the heart? Yeah. With her throat slit. Which okay. one did she do first? Did she slit her throat or stab herself in the heart first? Right. And then throw herself in the river. Yeah. I would like to know how quick that would all have to happen. And I want to know what injuries she inflicted upon herself in her bedroom that didn't... To get all that blood. To get all that blood there, but didn't leave her incapacitated enough that she was still able to run to the river and and jump in it. And if the trail of blood ended and they knew that whether it be her or her body got in a car, if there was that much blood, how did she operate a vehicle? Right. Or was she like, hey, um, I need you to pick me up because I need you to take me to the Snake River. I'm going to stab myself in the heart slit my throat, and then jump in the river. Right. These things don't make sense. None of that makes any sense. No. So they, him hauled around and lost valuable time. And then obviously her case went cold because no one was saying shit either. So the former Cassia County Sheriff Randy Kidd had talked about the mistakes they made. He made these statements in 2015. He said that the people Regina had been 
involved with around that t- around the time of her murder were drug dealers who were using children to deliver drugs. So it's his speculation that she was kind of a drug mule and that it was related to that is why she was murdered, which does make sense. We know she was involved in drugs, at least in some way. Mm-hmm. Her case went cold until 2017. The FBI special agent Chris Sheehan in Boise said he and another investigator had been assigned to the case, and then new evidence came in the form of two witnesses. There's a third witness that comes up at trial time as well, but these two were the first to really break open the cold case. So one witness came forward and testified about being with the murderer when he killed and dumped Gina's body. In the prelim hearing, a witness said that the killer entered Gina's basement bedroom, which had an outside entrance. He entered her bedroom, came out of the house carrying her body wrapped in a bloody blanket, and then stopped at a Burley residence to clean up and then drove to the Minidoka County Bridge where the witness helped dump Gina's body and then they buried a knife that was in a box. And then The second witness said the murderer talked about Regina's murder afterward. Um, So there were reports that the murderer arrived at a party that same night covered in blood and had talked to other people about killing Gina. So. Damn. That's freaking, that's, well, dumb, first of all. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So this man, who is been pegged as suspect number one is Gilberto Flores Rodriguez, who is, in 2017, was 56. So, Rodriguez has a lengthy criminal history in Casia County, and it dates back to the early 90s and obviously includes several drug charges. Um, in 2015... He pleaded guilty to misdemeanor providing false info to an officer. In 1996, he was charged in separate incidents with misdemeanor unlawful carrying of a concealed weapon and misdemeanor battery. He also has a conviction for misdemeanor DUI from 1994. Various other charges have been dismissed or pleaded down at various intervals over the years. So he's got... Some shit going on in his past. Yeah. Uh, Nothing that's too... The only thing that stands out really to me is the battery. Yeah. But nothing else is like, he's a murderer. Right. Obviously, the drug charges make sense. Let's see. But he was eventually charged with first-degree murder in the death of Regina Krieger. So, he was charged in... 2019. The witness, witnesses came forward in 2017. They did some investigation for about two years until they were able to make an arrest. Yeah. Yeah, so he was officially arrested in early 2019 after those witnesses came forward. And Rodriguez was bound over to district court in May after the magistrate judge found the witnesses believable 
although one admitted to previously lying under oath in court. Right. So being bound over is uh, a process in criminal court. So there are really two paths to felony charges. So the first path, how most felony cases happen, they start out at the associate circuit level. And an associate circuit judge hears the state's evidence at the preliminary hearing, Mm -hmm. and that judge makes a decision on if there is enough evidence to go to trial. And if there is, then the associate circuit judge will bound over the case to the circuit court judge, which is basically the higher level judge. Right. So the higher level judge will then be the official judge on the case, and then the case will move forward. So basically, that prelim decides whether there's enough evidence or not. They don't set it for trial in the circuit court. They just say there is enough here to move forward. And then they go to the circuit court, and then basically they start over again. They file their information with the circuit court. They file all of their discovery. They do all of the full case shit in the circuit court. Yeah. Now, for more serious charges, which I don't know why they don't always do it for first-degree murder, but they don't, they will do an, a grand jury indictment. Now, when they do indictments, it's very, very secret. They do all of their investigation and get all of their evidence and shit secretly. Mm-hmm. And then they file the indictment. The grand jury decides if there is enough for trial. And if there is, then the indictment warrant will be issued. And when it is served, that case goes, skips prelim, it skips the associate circuit court and goes straight to circuit court. So I think when there is more evidence and more of a worry about that defendant, they will file an indictment and skip prelim. They did not do that here. They went to prelim and bound it over to the circuit court. So. That was that. That's a lot. That's a lot. But I mean it. it, Yeah, it's the whole process. On June 20th, Rodriguez waived his right to a speedy trial. Jury questionnaires will be sent out to 1,000 jurors. Is that like a high number? Um... Or is that average? I just don't know. Honestly, that's probably average. Yeah, I guess you're right. Most of the evidence presented by the state really centered around the eyewitness testimonies as opposed to any solid forensic evidence. So their case was pretty much entirely circumstantial, which isn't uncommon, especially in a cold case like this one. And by the time it went to trial, it was a 26-year-old case. Yeah. And, I mean, because of the way everything was handled, there was there was no evidence. Not really. We'll talk about one piece of DNA evidence in a few bullet points. Um, but, yeah, other than that, there wasn't really yeah. any forensic evidence available. Rodriguez's attorney Keith Rourke told the jury during closing arguments that the murder case was based on the testimony of liars lies and he asked the jurors 
which story should they believe after the state's witnesses gave inconsistent statements to police over the years? Okay. Mm. Rourke said one of the state's top witnesses, prison inmate Cody Thompson, said he was 16 years old and Rodriguez was 32 years old when Rodriguez asked him to help get rid of Gina's body. Thompson allegedly said he told lies to police changed his story and committed perjury in court in another case, which Rourke used to claim the states presented a bunch of lies by a jailhouse snitch. Mm. So, I mean, there have been cases where you have jailhouse informants who are lying to help themselves in the long run. Right. It, It really depends on if the state promised Cody Thompson anything in exchange for his testimony. Yeah. But, I mean, I would still say his testimony is pretty, I mean, it's, like, pretty specific. It's pretty specific for sure. And and it doesn't seem like Rourke is rebutting any piece of his story specifically. Yeah. He's just saying he's lying. Yeah, and, I mean, he even said basement bedroom through the window. That's pretty specific. That is, I mean, I would say it is. Yeah, he he definitely would have to have knowledge of Gina's house in At order least. to give that testimony. Yeah. Cassia County Prosecutor McCord Larson said Thompson was a teenager when the murder occurred and did not have good experience with law enforcement and was intimidated and frightened of Rodriguez. Okay. I mean, that obviously he's trying to say that that's why Thompson didn't come forward sooner, right. why he you know, maybe initially lied to police, of course. Yeah. Of course. During closing arguments, Larson asked the jurors to use their common sense and their judgment to figure out who was telling the truth. Hmm. Rourke also pointed out mistakes made by police over the years, including DNA evidence collected from Gina's body, which was tested and compared to Rodriguez in the past, but did not match. Right. Now... This is interesting evidence, and it really complicates, you know, our opinion on what may have actually happened, because we're all inclined to latch on to any DNA evidence that's found in any case, really, anywhere. Of course. And, of course, one of the star witnesses claims that he assisted Rodriguez in disposing of the body, so that means he presumably had to have touched her body And that could explain why the DNA didn't match Rodriguez, but that's speculation. Right. That was completely just me speculating as I was trying to situate the DNA evidence with the outcome. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. On Tuesday, May 25th of this year, so 2021, Gilberto Flores Rodriguez, aged 58, was convicted by... Acacia County jury. Yep. And he is set to be sentenced on August 26th of this year. So next month. Yep. Next month he will be sentenced. So whenever he is sentenced, we will update what his sentence will be. I believe the death penalty is on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if he doesn't get the death penalty, we're looking at life in prison. Yeah. Without the possibility of parole, I assume. But, um, yeah, the DNA evidence is really a wrench for me, honestly. 
Because they didn't say, they. I don't think they tested it against uh, Cody Thompson, who mm-hmm. was the one who said he was with Rodriguez disposing yeah. of her body. So if they, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Because if they tested it and it matched Cody Thompson, yeah, then you have this whole idea of, did maybe he do it? Mm-hmm. And then it's just pointing to this guy because of his history and... The drugs and all of this. I don't know. It really, it really is a red flag. Maybe that's why the state didn't test it. It doesn't feel like, like it doesn't feel right. Like it seems like something is missing. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like satisfied with it really. No, no. So I just, and all of the articles that I got for this were local art. Idaho journal articles. Yeah. Except for one that was from the Daily Mail in the UK, which I thought was interesting. (laughs) Yeah, weird. So these are like local reporters that are reporting on this case. And I didn't see any talk of other evidence or other reasons aside from these witnesses as to why they linked Rodriguez to this murder. Um, I didn't see anywhere where they said that he had a history with Gina or where, that he was for sure one of the people she was getting drugs from yeah. or anything like that. So it really made me question if this guy actually is the killer. Yeah, because, I mean, like, we already talked about how people who, you know, jailhouse snitches can just make shit up right. to help themselves. Yes. But I, I just don't know. I feel like... I mean, the whole downstairs basement bedroom thing really, I, I don't, I don't know how just one 16 year old kid could like murder and dispose of a body. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's possible. I'm sure it is. I don't know. I just think it makes sense to me that back then he would have been too scared to be like, I fucking helped a guy dispose of a dead body. Of course, yeah, that does make sense. It really does. What also, if we think back to what Sergeant Tracy initially suggested in his theory, being that a group of teenagers were responsible for killing her, and then we think of Cody was 16, and Patty, her friend, had said that she heard that Gina wasn't killed in her room, but was maybe knocked out, taken somewhere else, and killed, and then thrown in the river. So it's possible that Gina was killed by Cody and a bunch of other teens. Yeah. That's why I don't feel satisfied. Uh, Yeah. Because he was just like, this dude did it and I helped him. And this dude goes to freaking trial and is convicted. Yeah. It's very wishy-washy to me. Because it could be that this Rodriguez fellow did kill her and Cody did help him. Right. And that's the end of the story. But there are a lot of holes here. (laughs) A lot. And, you know, it's just simply not satisfying at all Mm -hmm. this is not a cold case ending where we're like yes right finally yeah 
I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, we'd love to know. Are, do you Are you guys satisfied with the Rodriguez conviction or no? Yeah, I feel very not. I mean, yes, so. same. Idaho, what do you think? We would like to know, Idaho. We need to know. <laughs> we, we need you to let us know what yeah. you're thinking of this. Um, before we forget, there was mm. actually a nonprofit involved in keeping attention on Gina's case for the 24 years it took to make an arrest. And the founder of East Idaho Cold Cases, Crystal Douglas, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a nonprofit group aimed at finding missing people and raising public awareness of unsolved murders. And we need more of that shit. Yeah. In yeah. the entire world. So they do like billboards and stuff like that yeah. that have like their pictures and so fucking uh, shout out to Crystal. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, yet another lady out here doing the Lord's work, doing what needs done, not even for any purpose other than getting these cold cases solved. Yep. So you could probably find this group online. Of course, you can find everything online. You can find everything online. If you weren't aware, Google is a great tool. Yeah, exactly. So that's it, though. That's it. Um, We've got Haley and Ariel out here in these streets just bringing the straight fire. I get to see Haley's beautiful face today. I'm super excited. And uh, please, please subscribe to our show. Rate us five stars if you're listening on an iPhone and you're using... Apple Podcasts. Write us a review if you would. That would be great. Please. Just you, please, please do that. Oh, also, before I forget, in our last episode, we talked about the YouTuber that I love, Taylor Wynn. Oh, yeah. So on our TikTok, several weeks ago, I posted a video, just like a random candle burning, and it was the candle I bought. Mm-hmm. to help Project Beauty Share. And that candle company is Anchored Northwest. Yep. And their candles are amazing. They're super affordable. I think this candle was like 17 bucks, which is great. It's Woodwick yeah. soy candle. It smells amazing. It smells like laundry. Uh, this one does, but you can't get it anymore. It was limited edition. But yeah. they have other scents. They have other scents, and they're amazing. I bought another one, too. It's great. I love a Woodwick. It sounds amazing. Oh, me, too. So visit Anchored Northwest. They're always working with Project Beauty Share. Also, Taylor Wynn herself saw this video on TikTok and commented on it. She fucking did. She commented on our TikTok video, and I almost passed away <laughs> in my kitchen when I saw that. I was very excited. I was so pumped. And I did So random. So random. I, when I made the video, I thought that I had tagged her mm-hmm. because I did it for, the, because I bought the candle. Right. And I thought I had tagged her in it, but I didn't. I just hashtagged love you loads, which is the name of the candle. Yeah. So I don't know how she found it. Maybe it popped up on her it, free it, page. Yeah, it could have. It could have. Who Who the fuck knows? Either way, 
It was the best thing. We've officially made it. We've officially made it. My girl Taylor commented on our TikTok. Yeah, we're officially retiring after we get a download in Idaho. So thank you very much. Idaho, our future hangs in the balance and it is entirely on your shoulders. Yeah. So get your shit together. Come on. Join the party. It's a fun time over here. Yeah. We have a lava lamp now. Yeah. So we have a llama. It's official. A gold skull. You yeah. want to be here. You absolutely do. <laughs> so, anyway, we have to cut this off. Emily has a child's birthday party to attend on a Sunday. On a Sunday, which this one's going to be chill because his mom hates birthday parties too. Yeah. It's not really technically a birthday party. It's just a pool thing. Yeah. You know. I just have so many things to do in between right now and arriving there two hours from now. Right. So I got to go get food. I got to eat the food. I got to get the other kid ready. I got to drive there. Yeah. Feeling a little stress. So everyone have a great week. We're so glad you're here. Idaho, I'm so glad you're listening. And if you're not, just fuck right off. That's exactly right. And we're not even sorry. So, um, in the meantime, please, please be kind. And stay weird. Okay, goodbye. Bye.